Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking About Birds, the only Cardinal podcast that, like the new Cardinal rotation, still needs a lot of help. My name is Nate Heininger, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ben Samorka. Hey, Nady H. If you have an idea for the opening bit, tweet us at Talk About Birds. Hambone, how you doing today? Have you received your uh, issue of Japan GQ in the mail yet? <laughs> I do kind of want to order an issue and, and get yeah. that uh, put that on the shelf over here. I got a little, I got a little Cardinals memorabilia shelf uh-huh. um, over here. I, I think that would be a nice addition. Also, like, what is that like a? Uh, it's like a maroon velour uh, blazer uh, with the I black know. lapels that he's rocking on the cover. Looking it looks good. Looks very sharp. Yeah. What do you What do you got on your uh, on your memorabilia shelf? What's a What's a any interesting items there? Um. So I have this old uh, Stan Musial. It's a a vinyl. It's a record. It's Stan Musial teaching hitting. Um, cool. And it's so you know it's a vinyl. So it's like forty something minutes of Stan Musial just talking about the art of hitting. Um, I have a, uh, women in baseball. Uh, it's kind of like a graphic novel. Um, mm. that's more just general baseball. I'm looking at it right now. I have some art that friends and family have given me. Um, uh, I have, I'm looking at a, uh, Nolan Arenado bobblehead. I have some other Cardinals bobbleheads that I can't see from the angle right here. I also, um, maybe the most unique piece of baseball memorabilia I have, it has nothing to do with the Cardinals. But somebody saw this at a thrift store and they thought of me. It is. Hmm. Remember Kirby Puckett? Um, yes. Uh, it's when he was on the twins. It is a rubber duck <laughs> that has Kirby Puckett's face <laughs> <laughs> and it's wearing a twins jersey and it makes absolutely no sense. But I have a Kirby Puckett rubber duck. Um, you, you think someone saw like. That's a stupid duck. That makes me think of Ben. <laughs> oh, it also is baseball related. Kirby Puckett's cool. Kirby Bucket is cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I think like when you're uh, a people like us, uh, if it's like a birthday or Christmas or mm-hmm. general gift and they don't know what to get me, they default to ba- baseball. So I have there's I'm pointing at the room, but there's just baseball yeah. crap all around me. Uh, that's how I am, but with pizza shit, <laughs> people have gotten me <laughs> for Christmas and for birthdays for like quite a while now. Cause I've, I've gotten into making my own pies at home from scratch. And yeah. so I've just become like, yeah, get them a, a pizza peel. Like right. That. As, as, uh, very average, uh, aging, uh, <laughs> mid thirties, white men age, you know, they just kind of, their, their entire personality dwindles down to a baseball pizza. Yeah. I've been told that world war two, uh, is, is like probably right behind me as far as uh-huh. my interest. Uh, um, you yeah, your, your favorite whole, war. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Your whole personality just kind of gets reduced, um, to that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're headed there. We're, yeah. we're very exciting. Yeah, um, I've never been a big like memorabilia guy. I'm not much of a collector, but you know what's funny is um, doing the our, our our stupid card shark game has had me you know buying uh, packs of baseball cards, and that was right. something that I was into as a kid. 
um, actually more basketball cards than baseball cards as a kid. I've got my collection near me of over 300 Shaquille O'Neal basketball cards. That is I like to joke <laughs> is my retirement plan, but, um, <laughs> uh, getting these baseball cards has made me kind of start to get into like baseball cards a little bit more, you know, I'm getting like a little binder and putting them in there. And even though I'm not getting anything good, I'm just getting these, you know, random tops packs. It has been kind of fun looking into it. And I've been thinking like, ah, maybe I'll like go for like Cardinal rookie cards or something. Yeah. Since we, we pay so much attention to it and you know, we track these guys now from like draft day all the way up to, uh, when they make their big league debut. So I don't know. I've been thinking about it, but yeah, again, I'm not no. really a big collector. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's, it's just fun, like uh little conversation pieces. And, um, yeah. you know, uh, when I like that, I like conversation that when, pieces for when I come over. Yes. Because no one else is going to talk to you about this shit. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. I'm, I'm trying to think of who would even recognize, Kirby Puckett's face on a rubber duck. Mm-hmm. Um, Kirby Duckett. Maybe that was the. I, I'm That's having to assume it. that there was some twins giveaway. Yeah. Maybe he came yeah. back for something, and God knows why they went with a a rubber duck. Um, uh-huh. But he's killing it. That's I don't know. Yeah. You know, I, I, I what, what I was trying to say is I I like. Um, I like that. That's like a, a first, like baseball. Uh, uh, a sicko is like a first paragraph uh, fact about Ben Samorka, and I, 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 I appreciate. <laughs> yeah. it. I think that's a good thing. You know, yeah. Um, he he lives well, in Denver. He skis. Uh, he's a nerd. Uh, baseball. Like that's. I'm mm-hmm. fine being dwindled down to that as my my little first paragraph or whatever you want to call it. It helps that we cat dad we. We're we're approaching 100 episodes of our baseball focus podcast. So. <laughs> Got to be yeah. pretty high up there. Yeah, that'd be yeah. awesome. If I, I'm I'm done, I'm I'm not interested. <laughs> uh, but hey, good for Lars Newbar. Is Lars Newbar the biggest star the Cardinals have had? Um, like I don't know since peak Albert Pujols. It, you know, it, like when I mean star, I don't mean like in the world of baseball. I mean yeah. like like you know just like globally recognized person. I, well, I, I think it's, it's always so hard to view this kind of stuff because one, I'm not Japanese, uh, right. which might be surprising for some of our hmm. listeners. Um, but also we're like, we, we have such a Cardinals lens on everything. Like, of course it's Lars Newport. Yeah. That's a household name over here at the Samorka house. Um, right. So it's always hard to tell that thing, but I think that winning an award like this, which is like purely a social, basically um, a popularity contest. It's right? basically a popularity contest. It's basically like, yeah, w- w- what is the zeitgeist focused on right now? And for uh, the little right fielder from the St. Louis Cardinals, who's what, 25 years old to win that in Japan, to get the photo shoot. I, I mean, he's a legitimate celebrity in Japan. And I think mm-hmm. that his Japanese celebrity, his proximity to Shohei Otani and Yamamoto his personality. I think that like if you were to do a focus group on the Cardinals, I bet that he would be, he would have some of the highest name recognition. It would be yeah. like Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, Lars Newbar, probably in America, probably. Some, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably at least in the United States, definitely still refined down to, to baseball fans only you probably really know him, but, but adding in that Japanese fame, he, I think so. He's definitely one of the most famous Cardinals 
of the last like 20 years. I mean, yeah. like you said, it's he basically just was one of the winners of a Japanese culture popularity contest, which is pretty interesting. Um, and I think interesting to see how the Cardinals decide to wield that. Decide I'm curious to see how Lars decides to wield that. Like um, well, Mazalek called it out in that press conference last week, and we kind of touched on it. We're going to talk about it a little bit more today, but um, Mazalek uh, said that the business department of the St. Louis Cardinals was looking into the impact that, and he said someone like Lars Newbar has on the business and uh, what bringing in players that have his sort of person not just personality but like brand name appeal yeah. especially i think specifically in other markets um is what they're looking at from a business perspective and uh yeah it's really I mean, interesting they should be uh because yeah. you know you look at uh you know japan is so baseball crazy if you remember during the wbc uh the japanese uh, infrastructure was struggling to keep up with everybody flushing their toilets in between innings. Like these people <laughs> are nuts about baseball yeah. and uh, tapping into that from a player side, tapping into that from a, uh, a media side. I also, I think it's super exciting. It's super mm -hmm. exciting from where we're standing, obviously for Newpar, And of course the Cardinals, like, I mean, I kind of want to make fun of them if they're just now realizing that that's a, a big media market and that like it, it matters and moves the dial. Then like, what the hell are you guys thinking? But um, I, yeah, I think it's great I that they're talking they about are. it. Yeah, I don't think it's new. I mean, the Cardinals compared to a lot of the league, they've been pretty good about being involved in these markets in the Korean yeah. baseball league as well. Um, so I don't think it's brand new. But I what I think. My read on what Mazalak was saying is is basically the business is looking at would it be worthwhile for us to do a budget breaking style contract for a player that we wouldn't normally do because the value is outsized what you would normally expect from just yeah. signing like a United States star at that same price where you kind of already know what it's going to do for your market value and whatnot. Right. But you know, we're circling it, but I, I think he, you know, Yamamoto, Derek Gould, Yamamoto, Yamamoto, yeah, basically <laughs> Derek Gould said as well that they're, they're looking, that they're talking about Yamamoto. Yeah. Um, and what someone like him would do. And, you know, if you could, if you think like, sure, we have to pay him 30 a year, but you know, he'll bring in an additional 10 in like revenue from, from whatever it might be, ticket sales, contract, you know, deals, merchandising, merchandising, all that stuff. Uh, <laughs> you know, maybe it would be worth it. Um, but I don't know. It kind of feels like that ship has sailed. So let's, let's get into, uh, well, I have a dissenting opinion, but we'll, we'll get yeah. there. Uh, yeah. and the, the only thing I want to button on that is, uh, I'll be, let's say if the Cardinals stand pat, they don't sign any more Japanese players. It is the way it is. Be very curious to see, like, is there a scrum, a Japanese contingent that's following around Newt, um, throughout this year, like has he mm -hmm. has he tipped the scales where he's that big of a deal? Um, but but we'll find out. I, maybe in spring training. Yeah, I, I suspect there'll be at least some degree of it. That's yeah. not uncommon for other Japanese stars in the United States Baseball League to like uh, to have media, maybe not every day, every game, but I would imagine bigger series and whatnot. There'll be some Japanese uh uh, journalists and whatnot following new bar around. Yeah. Kind of fun. 
Also, I bet if his name was like Jeff Smith, <laughs> he's th- like this is reduced by like forty percent. There's something about his name being Lars Newbar on top of all of this that just puts it into that next level of fully celebrity. Well, the fact that his name is Lars Newbar, full stop. The fact yeah. that his name is Lars Newbar and he is half Japanese and went and played for Team Japan, Team Samurai, with the most like <laughs> Norwegian, yeah. what you know that uh, Netherlands sounding name Dutch, of all time. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, Lars Newbard, Japanese hero. It's, it's incredible. Yes, it it yeah. is. Um, I mean, the fact that he's even a successful baseball player with that name is all I need, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. um, and Hey, you know, if, if I'll, I'll just throw the, I'll, we'll stop it. But Roki Sasaki, he's out also out there looming. Maybe, yeah. maybe they're, uh, gathering all their horses for next year when he becomes mm-hmm. available, but, uh, gathering we'll our say. horses, classic that, saying, did people um, not say that? What do you say there? <laughs> I don't Circling know. Circling the wagons? Is that Circle, better? Sure, yeah. But that's not really relevant either. But I like gathering their horses. We're moving <laughs> forward. The Cardinals are gathering their horses. Yeah, get your uh, horses together. Yeah, we got to get our horses together for Suzuki. Shout out Mr. Ed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, nice rep, too. Uh, <laughs> shout out Mr. Ed. Yes. <laughs> Crushed it. Yeah. Um, what are there any other famous horses? Uh, Seabiscuit, Seabiscuit, like him. I think he's mm-hmm. dead. Um, the horse, uh, uh, who'd the Lone who, Ranger ride? Was that another? That's another very relevant. I'm trying to think what was, what did Gandalf ride? Um, oh, oh, Grace Rider, or yeah, um, shit. there's no way for Wait, us you're, to know you're this. saying that's a more relevant reference than the Lone <laughs> Ranger. <laughs> Yeah, when did it was made in the last twenty five years? Oh well, the, yeah, the movies. Yeah, okay. wait, there's books from those movies. <laughs> uh, Gandalf's horse name is Shadowfax. Shadowfax. That's that's a pretty cool. badass name. Yeah, and uh, Vigo Mortensen. Uh, you know, he he like famously bought his horse from the filming of that movie. I thought you were going to tell the story about him breaking his toe, and I was going to tell you to shut the hell up. I don't care. <laughs> also, the namesake of one of my favorite uh, 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 a D and D character in our campaign, uh, Vorgo Meetinson. Great name. <laughs> Just take any opportunity I get to say Vorgo Meetinson. That's good. Uh, if, I like that. if you have a if you can think of a more famous horse, tweet us at. Uh, at talk of, uh, talk about four birds. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag. Holy shit. Of course it's a horse. All right. Of course it's a horse. That's good. Uh huh. All right. Let's horse let's the band. Back. Yeah. Band of horses. Horse, band of horses. Famous horse. Wow. Bring back famous horses. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This election cycle, I want you to be focused on one thing. You know, our uh, our mutual grandpa used to always say. Um, a movie's not good unless it has a horse in it. I, uh, it's funny you bring that up. I was just telling Mary about how he would qualify his work being done to an adequate level. If it looked good from the back of a galloping horse, I um, say it all the time. Yeah, I did well, a kind of shitty job on a wall patch the other day and I said, couldn't see it from a galloping horse. <laughs> live, live our lives by that. <laughs> he also would say close enough for government work, which is another good one. <laughs> that is good. All right, let's talk about the big news. We're like 20 minutes into the episode. Yeah, we have um, real news, and you're talking about horses and Gandalf and, geez. 
Um, the people wanted to hear that. All right. So, I mean, big, arguably the, the, the biggest, maybe not by dollar amount, which is kind of hilarious, but one of the biggest signings the Cardinals have ever made in free agency, uh, Sonny Gray is now a member of the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, three year, 75 million guaranteed. We've been learning a lot of contract details over the last day or two. I, I definitely want to dig into that. But before we get into like the specifics and the nitty gritty of the contract and and what that means and and you know where he sort of fits into the budget and all that, um, just want to talk about like Sonny Gray, the pitcher. Um, yeah. You know, this is a guy that, like, I think from day one, everyone has been saying this is the most obvious Cardinal target. Um, you know, where he fits in and who else they would sign is really the big question. But like Sonny Gray has been. Um, identified by virtually everyone that he makes the most sense for the Cardinals. And here we are. Lo and behold, it happened. Uh, the I mean, I think we, we are, when this, the off season first started, we were kind of like, let's just assume Sonny Gray is going to be on the Cardinals yeah. at some point. Yeah. It just makes too much sense. Of course, there are other teams that are interested in making it uh, uh, work with him, but it just made so much sense. And then we learn um, that he wants to be here, which makes sense. He's yeah. a Tennessee kid. Um, uh, he, uh, grew up in Tennessee, went to school in Tennessee, um, obviously in the region. Um, so yeah, I mean, a perfect fit makes, makes all the sense. Yeah. And, um, I mean, on on the field, it's fantastic, right? I mean, absolutely. We've, we've been kind of, uh, you know, shit talking some of the, the other signings that have happened, but like Sonny Gray is a legitimate um, you know, front of rotation where he fits exactly. That's up for debate, but he is a front of rotation guy. He was the second, uh, in line for the AL Cy Young last year and all the underlying numbers back it up. He's just been one of the most effective pitchers in baseball for, for quite a while now. Yeah. Um, I would not be surprised if we look back on this, maybe even this year or in a couple of years. And we say that this was one of the better signings by any team, uh, during this offseason, I think when you look at how short they were able to get the term, um, how they were able to tack on that club option um, with a $5 million buyout, how it aligns with the Cardinals window as far as Goldie and Arenado, um, I, I think people are going to look at this as a, a really, really great deal for the Cardinals. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get into the uh, the contract a little bit. So. Um, you know, when people were discussing Sonny Gray as a target, I think the bigger concern was not would he be an effective pitcher for the Cardinals, but how long would they end up having him? Um, is this going to be a, you know, Mike Leak five-year deal thing where you're like, okay, maybe we get a couple good years, but the back end of it is rough or or whatnot. But surprisingly, I got, I, there, were, there was a lot of teams that need pitching. So I, I kind of ex- was expecting every good pitcher in this market to get into a bidding war. And typically the way that teams end up winning those bidding wars is being the one who's willing to go the longest. Right. And so I was really expecting if the Cardinals got Sonny Gray, he's an older guy, um, that they would be, they'd have to be the team who's willing to give that fourth or maybe even fifth year. Right. And instead, uh, three years guaranteed. Now there is a, a club option. It's actually a mutual option with some details in there that depend on like who does what and whatnot. But essentially there's a fourth year t- uh, mutual option as well. 
Um, but three years, yeah. I think, is is perfect. Yeah, I think, you know, I think the stars aligned for the Cardinals here a little bit. Not only did he want to come here, um, but Sonny Gray is a bit of an older pitcher. He's made money. He's made over $60 million in his career. So I don't think he really felt the need. It wasn't his first time, you know, yeah. signing that check, grabbing that bag. I think that helped the Cardinals out um, quite a bit. I also think the looming uh, uh, specters that are the two big Japanese pitchers where all the teams that are looking at um, the Japanese pitchers probably are also interested in Sonny Gray and mm -hmm. the Cardinals kind of jumping the market in that way, letting those two guys hang out there probably helped this all kind of coalesce into working out for the, the team and the player. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, the, the Cardinals have said they wanted to go fast in this off season and we've kind of, <laughs> they sure kinda, did. <laughs> yeah. We've kind of joked about it. Cause it's like, Oh great. Good thing. They rushed to sign Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson, <laughs> like who had to make sure that that got locked up. But, yeah. um, you know, those guys aside, like this is good. I think it's, um, you know, and when you look outside, like generally speaking, other than people who are just are mad at the Cardinals and just want to be mad at the Cardinals, this is being considered a very good deal across the market. Most people are calling it market value, a fair deal, you know, which again, considering the the price of pitching and the the need for pitching across the league is kind of expecting almost every deal except for like an Aaron Nola type thing for yeah. everyone to say like it's an overpay but they had to do it so the fact that it's like a good deal for the Cardinals also is nice because while we don't care about the amount of money that gets spent it's not our money we wish they would spend more we do try to look at it in the frame of what we understand the, their willingness to spend so when they get right. a better deal we're happy about it because we know that means more flexibility in other areas. I, I, I'm of the opinion that if you look at this deal on its own and, and just Sonny Gray coming to the Cardinals irrelevant of the other moves the Cardinals have made, like, I, I think if you don't like this deal, you're wrong. Like, yeah, full stop. It's, it's good for both team and player makes so much sense. The dollars are right. Yeah. It's, it's just a, a good deal. Full. Yeah. Yeah. Come at yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, what more do we like? We I know we want more, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But like, they have to go out and acquire good pitching. Yeah, Lynn and Gibson are are a thing that they they it's almost a need. But like, we wanted the Cardinals to go out and get good pitching. Yeah, and this is one of the best guys available on the market, and we got him at a good deal. So I I'm excited about it. Now I still have my feelings about the broader scope yeah. of the season which we're going to talk about and like what this means for them and what the team will look like if this is it but like both in a vacuum and outside of that vacuum like i'm super excited about this signing and it's arguably one of the like the highest talent free agents that the cardinals have gone out and got in a competitive free agent yep. market that we've seen in like a long time maybe since matt holiday right Fully agree. And I think to dive into Sonny Gray, the pitcher a little bit more, I, I think is also really exciting because, you know, you see the five uh, war, you see the second place Cy Young finish. Um, but I think what you also see, like since Sonny Gray came into the league, he's been a elite spinner of the baseball. Um, yeah. And that's true on all of his pitches. He's got great fast uh, on his four seam. Uh, his breaking balls have great spin on it. He is upper echelon. And we all know like that is 
you know, other than just strictly striking people out, that is what every team is looking for. And, and he um, can utilize that really well. Last year, he changed up his pitch mix. And this is another thing that I think Cardinals fans should be really excited about is the fact that he is willing to kind of like innovate and use technology and, mm-hmm. you know, look at previous results, use TrackMan data, use high speed cameras and make changes using his just natural ability to spin the ball. Um, the fact that he incorporated a sweeper, which was you look at however you want to look at it is one of the most dominant pitches in baseball last year. And this was the first mm-hmm. year he really brought it out and, and showed everybody what it does. So we'll see how that evolves his curveball, He's been throwing that since his, uh, his days with the A's and that's been dominant. Um, and then he's kind of added a little cutter and a change up to make all of those pitches even work better together. Um, and I say all that to say that like this guy, well, you know, this was his plan coming into this year. He's going to make adjustments um, and if they're not working, he'll make adjustments to those adjustments and find something until it works. And I think that that's that means that he is um, more likely to repeat his success. I also think it means that he's more likely to age well because he will do with whatever it takes. He will adjust. He is not um, going to take the Dakota Hudson route and just try the <laughs> same thing over and over again. He's going to manipulate and change and grow and, and evolve. And I, I think that's something that. I would be willing to make a large bet on like the Cardinals just did. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, looking at last year, definitely. Yeah. There's a chance that last year was a career year from results standpoint, um, coming in at, uh, 5.3, uh, F four. He was a little lucky between his ERA and XFIP. His XFIP was in the mid threes, but even that, you know, assuming uh, Bush Stadium plays like it usually has, and we see some progress in in the Cardinal defense, which I think we will. I think, I we, think will. we will as well. Yes. Um, you know, I think we can expect. Um, you know, he's the type of guy that you know it's not uncommon for him to outperform his underlying metrics as well. So, um, you know, we may not get five plus wars runner up in Cy Young again. Um, and that's fine, but I think uh, barring any injury, like the Cardinals have their new best pitcher, and it's kind of not even close right now. <laughs> it's really not. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Um, which I think is a good segue into the next topic. How does Sonny Gray fit into the broader rotation, and how are we yeah. feeling about the rotation now? Because I, I think we're, you know, there's still. There's still a lot of things floating out there, and I still think we both believe that the Cardinals are going to get at least one more uh, starting pitcher. But yeah. as it stands, you know, how are you feeling about the new look rotation? Yeah, I think um, the innings are there, which are huge, yeah. right? Um, yeah. Uh, that, that is the number one thing. Like, I get the criticisms. I get mm-hmm. that this rotation is old. I get all that. But there is a high probability that you are going to be getting 150 innings from four guy uh, over 150 innings from four guys that are on the starting rotation right now. Which, um, even though that's a low bar, look at last year we yeah. would have killed. We would have made a blood sacrifice in center field to get there <laughs> with Wayno and and Jack and Dak and and everybody. So that in its own right is is a really big deal. Um, I think 
if you are unhappy with the moves, that's that's totally fine. The the biggest problem with the current rotation is it makes I think it makes sense to get a Lance Lynn or a Kyle Gibson. And if you want to play on that bottom part of the market, why not get somebody who has a little bit of upside like a Lucas Giolito? Now, Lucas Giolito could also explode in supernova at the halfway point and give up 50 home runs. But there's upside play with Lucas Giolito. There's upside play with Luis Severino, uh, Hunjun Ryu. Um, So I think that would be my biggest criticism is that they could have done that. But I said this last week, if you're four and five are Gibson and Lynn, I think we're in a really good spot. Um, I think Miles is going to uh, do the driveline baseball, the the work on his spin. I think he's going to come back. I don't think he's going to change the game and compete for a Cy Young, but I think Miles is going to come back an effective pitcher. By the way, he put up over three F4 uh, last year. It's not like yeah. he was terrible. He just wasn't wasn't great. My concern, Nathan, is that we have Steven Matz penciled in as the fifth starter. And I think we all know Steven Matz well enough at this point. If we get 20 starts from Steven Matz, that will feel like a, a small miracle from where mm-hmm. I'm sitting. Um, right. So that means and then it just compounds from there. Right. Steven so, Matz goes down. Zach Thompson. So. I kind on the outline here. I I put these guys' names in a in a like descending order of who I think is more likely to get those starts that um, either Matts or one of the thirty plus year old pitchers end up inevitably missing because there's no way this whole rotation is going to be healthy all year. It's just not going right. to happen. But I put the, in descending right. order: Zach Thompson, Matthew Libertor, Simra Bursay, Adam Klofenstein, Gordon Graceffo, and Michael McGreevy. That's my my feeling on it. I think that they're going to let Takoa and Tink. Uh, cook as long as they can in the minors before pulling them up because all the reasons and don't mess with that. Like they're, they're going to be good. It just needs to, to matriculate. But yeah, how good are you feeling about like, I, I feel okay with Zach Thompson starting feel less okay with Matthew Libertor starting unless something changes. And then it kind of descends there. Like it starts getting a little scary after that. And then I start to convince myself, well, maybe it is, maybe you still do bring in a Lucas Giolito. Um, or somebody better than that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree cuz you know we're we're not that far away from going right back into where we were last year, right? You only need one or two injuries from this aging rotation to be essentially back where we were. So, um I think there's still a clear need for additional uh arms there. And um you know where that comes from well, let's talk about it. I, I don't, I personally am feeling moved on from my hope of Yamamoto being a St. Louis Cardinal. Um, I would love for you to convince me otherwise, but yeah. I think um, the, even though the gray contract is backdated, which we didn't, uh, not backdated, uh, back loaded. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which we didn't really touch on. I, I just I I truly don't see it happening at this point. Um, so I think another starter is coming from trade. But I know you want to talk about why you think Yamamoto is still on the table. I, well, I think he's absolutely still on the table. I think it's for the 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 uh, the star factor, the Japanese market factor. Um, I think that you know he's a bit of a unicorn, being the twenty five year old back to back best pitcher in MPB. 
Um, and I think that, you know, the Cardinals never want to pay full price for players, right? And right. that's really hard to do right now. Maybe the best way to do that right now is to buy a player coming from uh, the KBO or Nippon Professional Baseball League. Um, and even which they've though, done, which they've done, which they've done. Right. And yeah. even though Yamamoto is going to be expensive and he's going to song, sign long term, he is not going to sign for as much as he would have if he had had his first five, six years in Major League Baseball. Yeah. He probably would have been breaking 300 uh, Garrett Cole type money. Right. Uh, and maybe even more because he's a free agent at 25. It probably would have eclipsed Garrett Cole. So you're still able to get Yoshi Yamamoto at a, a discount when you look at the market in mass, right? It's, it's right. cheaper. Those dollars go further than they do uh, from MLB players. The other thing is with the the structuring of the Sunny Grade deal, I don't think like people are reading into this a ton. I think more what to read into that is that a Yamamoto deal could look very similar. You could guarantee him, let's say it's eight years, 250 million, which is somewhere around what I think he's going to probably land mm-hmm. at. Um, we'll, we'll see, you know, exactly. But you could give him, um, maybe you give him a high AAV the first year, it goes discount, discount. You give him a high AAV the next year, you give him an opt-out at the age of 30, uh, 29 or 30, or and then guarantee a lot of money on the back end and let him kind of choose his own adventure. You can get really, really creative with how you want to spread this money out, which is why I think the Cardinals should still be in play because they don't have a lot of guaranteed money. They have a young players. This guy. Like I said, he's kind of a unicorn um, and you can get creative, whether it be uh, the power of an opt out, the power of Lars Newtbar, the power of being flexible with the way that that money is getting doled out. I mean, this, for instance, this uh, club option uh, for Sonny Gray, that five million dollar buyout, if they do the buyout, the, uh, that five million dollars is being paid out starting in 2027, one million dollars every year. Like you can get yeah. really creative with yeah. how you spend this money and. Yamamoto still gets to say, I had the biggest deal ever coming from right, MPB. Right. So that's why I think the Cardinals and Cardinals fans should still consider ourselves in it until he signs because Mo and Co will get creative. We all know that, especially if you can spread that money out and you're starting to talk about paying people in 2027, eight, nine, um, mm-hmm. like that money's we inherently less valuable than the money we're spending yeah. today. Um, so well with inflation, oh my goodness! Don't even get me started over here. Um, what I the so hell? I don't know. Did um, I convince you? You convinced me why they should still be involved, and I don't disagree at all. My only this the pessimistic side of me. Yeah, is that I don't think we've ever seen that degree of creativity and willingness from the St. Louis Cardinals, and so Agreed. it would be completely outside of their character of which we have now what 15 years uh 15 to 20 years of examples of how like the current version of running the cardinals they've never done that before and even last year when they said we might have to get a little uncomfortable what that became was signing wilson Contreras to a 17 and a half (laughs) million like we've just never seen that before and so i want i want that of course and yeah like you know, they they by structuring Sonny Gray's contract the way it is, you they're buying themselves like 
an unexpected, you know, they basically have like 20, 25 maybe left for this year and what we were anticipating, which is a big hole. Like that's another star player can fit in that yeah. spot. Right. And yeah, like Goldie's out after this year, assuming no, no new contract. And, and there's just a lot of money coming off the books and you, know, you could see and how it would work. Where's the star power after Goldie leaves? Yeah. Arenado and hopefully yeah. Jordan Walker. And hopefully. hopefully Mason win, but they're, yeah. they'll be on cheap contracts still at that. Exactly. Point. So I yeah. think, and, and that's really what, do I think it's likely? No. Can the Cardinals right. do it? Absolutely. They can do it. There's no, there's no mathematical or money reason why the Cardinals should be out on Yamamoto. It's just, can they step up? Can they, you know, and, and or yeah. can they, um, you know, if it's, if the deciding factor is giving him that opt out at the fourth or fifth year, I think the Cardinals should absolutely do it. Oh um, yeah. I mean, opt, like do an opt out at three, like whatever you got to do, like they're, they, they're, they are with, especially with this Sonny gray, um, signing, you know, they're projecting a, a, a an attempt and an intent to compete in these upcoming three years, which makes a lot of sense. They try to compete every year, but like, you're not doing this if you're not really trying to win in the next few years. Um, right. And so, yeah, like I liked the back, the, the back dating, damn it, back, what, what backlogging? Backload. Backloading. Why can't, back- <laughs> Why can't I remember this? Oh my God. <laughs> the backloading of the contract. <sighs> the thing that I really liked about it, even though it is kind of standard Cardinal play, they love doing this stuff. Um, yeah. is that, like it does signal to me they they want to win this year because yeah. that is really prioritizing 2024 um you know by allowing you to have more payroll flexibility for this upcoming year i really like that i like that symboling and whatnot i'm just be surprised if it all gets dumped into something like this or we know that they also um they said it in a recent interview that like they like to go into the year a little below budget so that they have some flexibility to add right. on uh during the uh, trade deadline or whatever you may need like you know that th- this this reserving some budget because of the back back loading um you know it, it could be a symbol <laughs> of like hey we're getting ready to spin big it could also just be exactly what the cardinals always do and yeah. they're going to end up with around the same budget and they just wanted that space so yeah. dewitt can get another california mansion or <laughs> or whatever and uh everything that i said about yamamoto um, could also be true about Jordan Montgomery. Yeah. Um, I don't think this, th- I don't think that door is closed. Um, mm-hmm. Marcus Stroman, who I know you and I aren't super high on that door could still potentially be open. I've heard Mike Clevenger's name. Now I, yeah. I'm not arguing for many of those names. I do think Jordan Montgomery reunion would be great. Um, and I wonder if the Cardinals could have any type of discount cause maybe he enjoyed his time yeah. here a little bit. I don't know. Uh, maybe he'd love to be like a one, two of Jordan Montgomery and Sonny Gray. Feel pretty good about that. Yeah. Feel better about yeah. Yamamoto. Um, of course. But I think, you know, I think that I, I hope that the front office are, is keeping their minds open. Uh, and you would assume that players are open to the flexibility of manipulating those contracts so that the team that they're playing on can remain competitive. Yeah. Um, Which we've seen a lot of players do. Over totally. Different, yeah. Um, and the, you know, Sorry, we look up and yeah, I was just going to say we look up in a couple of years and we got a, a, a rotation that's, you know, Sonny Gray. It, it's 2026. We got a rotation of Sonny Gray, um, Jordan Montgomery or uh, Yamamoto, Tinkens, Takoa Roby and, uh, you know, Lance Lynn may be still there. I'm taking the fifth spot or something <laughs> like that. But, uh, you know, yeah. you could see how 
you spend money now, you believe in your your minor league uh, guys coming up, saving you money later. Um, you know, it, it, it yeah. makes some sense to me. Yeah, I, I, I hope that that's the case. Um, we just also there's the big X factor of sure, this is all well and good. But then maybe the Dodgers or whoever go out and say like, yeah, sure, the Cardinals will give you a really crafty, interesting two hundred and twenty five million, but we'll give you two eighty. Do you come play for us? You know, do you like, think? Oh, fuck. Do you think the Dodgers would sign Otani and Yamamoto? No, I think whoever gets Otani, probably that's that's like their big spend for the offseason. Yeah. At least I certainly hope think. so. You would yeah. think so, because um, right. the big rumor that I I love is that the Dodgers are trying to sign Otani and trade for Mike Trout. Which I actually, well, obviously, as a Cardinal fan, I hate that. Like, I there think, are a few, there are a few things I hate more than that. Um, <laughs> the only one I hate more than that is the Cubs doing that. Um, yeah, but like as a baseball fan and as someone who wants Otani and Trout to have just a modicum of success in their career outside of individual performance, I am, uh, I, I like that. You yeah. know, but the idea of like a Betts, Freeman, Otani, Trout, you know, I, what? Like, I hate it. I don't know if that would be good for the game. I would yeah. like to just see what that offense would do. Honestly, I think if you have uh, the Dodgers lineup starting with Betts, Otani, and Freeman in some type of order, that might alone be one of the best offenses we've ever seen. Yeah. Adding Trout into that, um, that it would be fun to watch, but I don't know if that's good for <laughs> baseball. That's like such a consolidation of talent on one i don't i don't know yeah but, um, i don't know i mean the the padres just tried to do it and it, it is completely falling you know they keep yeah, failing, but the dodgers is, are smarter than the Padres. yeah that's they true. would figure out a way to yeah score a thousand runs that year yeah probably <laughs> yeah i don't know so um the the last bit you know i think to me the more likely thing I am still anticipating a a big trade from the St. Louis Cardinals for another pitcher. I think yeah. what I would love to see, and I'd be pretty content with this, would be a trade for one of the better names that's available. Yeah, I, I'm kind of like I have my preferences, you know, but like honestly, I'd be happy with any of any any of the guys that have been named, whether yeah. it's one of the Seattle guys, whether it's. Dylan Cease. Uh, my personal preference has been Tyler Glass now, but yep. like I, I understand the concerns around him. Edward Cabrera from the or, or uh, Jesus Lazardo from the Mar. Like, there's a ton of guys out there that seem available. Uh, I, I'm kind of fine with anyone because your point earlier when you were saying like the big problem with the rotation right now is no upside. Like, we're yep. really banking on them doing exactly what they've done for years on years on years, which is a relatively safe bet. Um, but like, you know, we want more. We want the Cardinals to not just like, you know, win the NL Central with 89 wins. We actually want them to be a really good team and compete with the big players in the NL and, and the AL. And and so you need those upsides, those guys that pop and suddenly um, come out of nowhere and, you know, make your team elite. So like almost all those guys that I named, like you could see that version. So I, I'd be pretty happy with any of them. Um, I hope that that happens that we, we have reporting from Derek Gould and other trusted sources that they are talking about trade targets, what it actually looks like. We'll see. Um, yeah. So I want that. And I, I think one more, like, you know, like maybe I guess a step down from Lynn and, 
and Gibson, maybe from what the price might end up being, um, but whether it's like a Lugo or like a Ryu, like you said, like all like I think one more and the contract might have to be interesting because they might not actually come in as a starter, but yeah. just like one more guy that we know can be a fit that mold of Lynn and Gibson. Yeah, we do. Yeah, that, I think we do a trade and I'm feeling really good about this team. Yeah, if, if we're if we're talking about like that level that like kind of take a bet on, I I would very much um uh, uh point the Cardinals towards like um Frankie Mas- Montas, um yeah. Spencer Turnbull, like uh, uh Tyler Maley, guys that have that fifth gear that they can lock into. They it's either you know high velo fastballs, solid breaking balls, but just have been inconsistent. And taking a fly, like I would really love, you know, talking about an upside play of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe Frankie Montes finds his 97 mile an hour sinker and starts pushing. Yeah. Um, and, and he boots his way into the fifth start, uh, fifth starter spot for the Cardinals. Like something like that is how I would spend what you're talking about. And I bet you could get Frankie Montas for, you know, 6 million bucks or something like that. There's no way he, I mean, he hasn't pitched yeah. in basically two years. There's no way he's right. going to be commanding that much. Yeah, and maybe he would be open to a, a minor league deal, right? Like, yeah. probably not, I, but we'll see. That's where the market, well, we don't really know. You would think a team um, that doesn't have a lot of pitching depth in the rotation would be attractive for guys who are trying to bounce back, like those two names yeah. I just threw out there. Like, yeah. oh, you know what? I, I could sign with the Dodgers. Maybe I'll crack the starting six, uh, five. Or... These Cardinals are relying on a bunch of 30-year-olds, 35-year-olds. Yeah, certainly, I can do better than Lance Lynn. He <laughs> led the league in home runs last yeah, year. You know, yeah. you know, I, to what degree players and agents think about that, I have no idea. But yeah, I bet it's part of the calculus. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, to wrap this section up, like, ultimately, like, the Sonny Gray signing is awesome. I, I'm a huge fan. Where it, where it fits in is still a big open question but this, it is a positive of the of the Cardinals moving past we've been no there's been no shortage of news this offseason and we're just about to get into the real winter meeting so I think we might see some interesting things uh start to happen yeah yeah and yeah. um well we'll see winter meetings start on Sunday as long as all these old men don't get norovirus again and <laughs> <laughs> oh god all right. Well, um, we've got uh, a little exercise we want to do at the Hall of Fame, and we're going to talk about some of the other news from around the league. But before we do, as always, we want to remind our listeners that this show is supported on Patreon by listeners just like you. If you've enjoyed this show and you might and and want to show your appreciation for the time and effort that Ben and I put to uh, to bring the show to you every single week, all off season and all season consider joining our Patreon, patreon.com slash talking about birds. Patrons of any level get access to our private Discord server. It's the bird score. Tweet, tweet. We're having a great <laughs> time in there. It's a great place to go and talk to other Cardinal fans, listeners of the show, and um, you know, get away from the noise of all the, the chaos that is all of the different social media platforms and right now, uh, you know, that is increasingly difficult to navigate. Um, we also uh, have some shirts now. And subscribers at uh, at any of the levels above the base level get a free shirt right now, which is a great deal. Um, they're really high quality shirts. We like to think they're uh, kind of funny and something that you'll actually want to wear. And it's not just like our dumb faces on it or something like that. 
Um, so check that out, patreon.com slash talking about birds. And if you want to support the show in another way, uh, you can leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. It really does help us show up in search results and things like that. Um, and then, of course, tell your friends and family. Uh, you're spending a lot of time maybe right now with families as we head into the uh, holiday season. So, uh, you know, tell them about your favorite bird podcast. Uh, ben, if they want to find us online, otherwise, where can people follow us? Uh, yeah, make sure you follow us on Twitter at talk about birds. We are on Instagram at talking about birds. Uh, we're on Spotify. I know everybody's talking about Spotify rap today. Hey, and, uh, this week, uh, come follow us on Spotify. Uh, if you prefer to listen to podcasts there, we got a TikTok. You can check us out there. Uh, you can email us, uh, at talk about birds at gmail.com. Uh, you can find all of that information at talkingaboutbirds.com. Uh, and yeah, I'll just say, uh, I want to, you know, I, it's a holiday season. I'm feeling really happy about our, our little bird scored listeners and shout out to everyone there. I think it's been really fun, especially with all the Cardinals news yeah. uh, that's been coming down. But uh, we're talking Christmas lights. Uh, we're talking Cardinals. We're talking all kinds of stuff in there. So uh, it's that's been really fun. Shout out to the, the, the bird scorters. Yes, absolutely. And, and, uh, Ben, I got something new for you. I did not tell you that I was doing this. I wanted to uh, son of a bitch to, to break it on the show. So we'll see how much this gets used. But uh, we have a voicemail now. If you want to call, and I did not know this. Ask us a question, leave a comment, leave us a bird fact, whatever it might be. If you want to tell us something, <laughs> call, and I mean anything. Call us at eight four eight. 48 birds. That's right. That number is 848-48-BIRDS. And uh, it'll, it'll ring for a minute, and then it'll go to a voicemail, leave it, and uh, we'd love to hear it. Maybe we'll play some of them on the show. Uh, so that's a new way for you to reach out to us. I, I, I so I'm I'm learning about this in real time. I'm very excited about this. What I would like, what I would like this to be used as, is you're you're sitting around, maybe you're having a couple of adult beverages with your friends, uh-huh. and you're arguing about baseball or have a, a a stupid baseball thought in that moment while you were having your libations. Give us a call, and yeah. I would very much look forward to hearing those. Um, I I think this is great. I might call. Yeah. That sounds yeah, fun. yeah. So again, eight four eight forty eight birds. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Dumbass. This will be fun. Okay. So, uh, Hall of Fame voting is live. And nice. um, we thought it might be fun uh, to run down who we would vote for in this round. Yeah. Um, and I think we actually have some differing opinions here, Ben. Wow. So, we will. Yeah. You and I are often aligned in a lot of things around baseball. That's part of why we do this show. But there's a couple key differences here that I'm interested to talk through. Um, oh, yeah. How do, you, how do you know what I know? What I think I know? Well, we did discuss our votes in a separate uh, baseball slack that you are an IR in. So I have if a you've general. you wondered how much of baseball sickos <laughs> Nate and I are. That, that was just a little peek behind the curtain. I, I have a general idea of who you voted for. Now you might've okay. made some changes now that we're doing this as a, a, as more of an official exercise. Okay. All right. And I will say again, like, you know, this would be a great thing for, we'd love to hear from our listeners too. If you have an opinion, if you agree or disagree with us, let us know. Um, you know, this is an interesting ballot. Uh, so 
Ben, what do you, why don't you run down who you're voting for? And let's, let's talk yeah. through that a little bit. Yeah. You just want me to list them off and we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah. Or we can go okay. one by one, whatever you think makes, you know. Yeah. Makes yeah. And sense. I'm just going to go in the order that they are on the ballot. So that is my, uh, if you're looking at the ballot while you're listening to this, you can kind of follow along. But anyways, uh, Carlos Beltran, former Cardinal legend, absolutely getting my vote. Um, I don't care about the controversies and stuff like that. That didn't affect him being like the best switch hitting center fielder of, uh, mm-hmm. of my adolescence. Like he is incredible. Adrian Beltre. I put him as a, uh, first ballot should be unanimous. Yes. Um, he might even be inner circle for me. He is, I think one of the uh, third base is underrepresented, underrepresented mm-hmm. in the hall of fame. And, um, he was basically great except for a couple of years in Seattle for two decades. Yeah. Um, and, uh, him refining himself in Boston and then going to Texas and basically becoming a franchise legend there. I just love, I love everything about it. Yeah, I think of um, everyone on this list, if I can, like, he's the the most, like, I think he's going to get, you know, he's first ballot. I think he's the most obvious person on this list. I don't think it's really a question of whether Beltre is going to get in the Hall of Fame. And I, I, I know that you, you being unanimous doesn't really matter that much. Derek Jeter wasn't unanimous, um, but I think voters should get their heads out of their asses and, and make Beltre unanimous. Well, that's uh, a whole other discussion. I, yeah, that stuff yeah. drives me crazy and i I don't want to blow up our exercise right now with that but (laughs) holy shit like yeah all right anyway go on uh then i'm going down to todd helton todd helton 100 Mm -hmm. getting my vote not only am i a part-time rockies fan but look at the numbers i don't care about the chorus field effect uh this dude was absolutely bawling out of control um even with park factors included so uh shout out him uh, then I'm going to go to Andrew Jones, uh, who I think is the best center fielder I've ever seen. Um, by the way, he was able to hit 50 home runs. Uh, I mean, he accrued like 60 something war from his age 20 to 30, like just absolutely out of control. Uh, I wish he would have stuck around and just been a hitter a little longer, but you know, age and mm-hmm. everything like that, it's hard. Um, I am then going to go to Manny Ramirez, uh, you know, come at me. I think he should be in the hall of fame. Uh, a rod also should be in the hall of fame. Um, and then let's see, Chase Utley. I will also vote for and Billy Wagner to round out my ballot. Uh, Chase Utley, I think is massively underrated. Mm-hmm. I know if you go look at the baseball card, I know some of the accruable numbers aren't there, but he was one of the, he was an MVP level player in my eyes for a decade. Um, and was doing that at second base was doing that when the Phillies were super fun and, uh, you know, winning world series and having all that fun, then kind of being old man chase with the Dodgers. I love his career. Um, and Billy Wagner. Um, I, I think that you could accuse me of talking out of both sides of my face with voting for Billy Wagner and not K rod Francisco Rodriguez, but I think Billy Wagner's, um, well, his longevity. And I think his kind of, um, I mean, he was, the way that I remember Billy Wagner, I mean, he's that guy that threw the fastest fastball of all time uh, when he came up. He was that guy that was absolutely throwing gas. He really never had a bad season. Um, he racked up saves like crazy. And uh, I don't know. There's the kind of not not the first flamethrower, but the first guy um, to be throwing 101, 102 yeah. uh, when he came up. And I think, uh, I don't know, I think important to the game. Um, so that's my ballot. I okay. think... Uh, I, I'm 
well, I'll, I'll let you talk because I'm curious to see where we we where we are not aligned. Yeah, and um, you know, I think like before starting, like I think you and I are both um, like I'm not a small hall guy. You know, like I, I think that the Hall of Fame is is best used as like a tool for representing the generational shift of baseball and yeah. and like it should represent the people who were the best during that time. And like I am I am full on board that Barry Bond should have been a is like an inner circle Hall of Famer. Now he will forever have this gigantic asterisk next to his name, Roger Clemens, et cetera. But I think they should all be in the hall of fame. And I think it's, it's stupid that they're not. I have a personal line though, that separates guys like Barry Bonds from guys like Manny Ramirez, um, where to me, if you've been caught with things like, uh, PEDs or caught in other cheating style, uh, <laughs> situations that it's on the books as illegal to the game and you are caught doing it, you're forfeiting at least some degree of your legacy. And so like these guys from the nineties and even early two thousands that were doing steroids and whatnot, you know, I, I, I support them, but I'm, I'm kind of showing my hand here by saying like, I am not a Manny Ramirez voter. I am sure. not an A-Rod voter. I am very torn on Carlos Beltran because I love Carlos oh, wow. Beltran. He is on paper, as a player, it's obvious. He is slam dunk Hall of Famer. Like, I don't think that that is debatable. Personally, I am still torn as to how to handle the long-term ramifications of the Houston Astros cheating wow. scandal. Wow, I am surprised to hear this, Nady H. I know. And I'm a little surprised to feel it, but I like they everybody got off scot free, basically, other than like a little bit of reprimand for a few people. Beltran lost his job. Yeah, that's fine. It's not a big deal. He's a like a billionaire. He'll be fine. Like no one faced <laughs> any real consequences. You want him to go to jail? What do you what do you say? No, here? I don't. I but I think maybe not getting into the Hall of Fame is OK. Also, yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, they're they're caught directly cheating at baseball. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't a gray area here. Now, if you want to say, like, I'm okay with a little bit of cheating every once in a while, it shouldn't impact his legacy. Or if you want to say none of that happened while he was a player and I'm voting as Carlos Beltran, the player, I get that. The Patriots were caught filming Rams practices before they ended up beating them in the Super Bowl. That was an organizational cheating thing that happened. Would you not vote for Tom Brady to go into the Football Hall of Fame because of that organizational uh, cheating? They all deserve to die. That's my. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know enough about that scandal um, and like who was using what and, and yeah. whatnot. So it's hard for me to say. The, the reason like, I'm saying that is because it like it wasn't just Beltron. He was definitely, yeah. uh, you know, uh, maybe uh, championing it uh, more yeah, than all others. of them. All like if like 
I'm torn on Altuve, and Altuve seems to be one of the cleanest of them all, but he was still there. He knew what was going on. Uh, sure. Like, you know, and so I, I, I will admit that, like, this is still something that I am thinking through, and this would maybe be a good opportunity for Beltron. Like, this is an excuse for why they can be on the ballot for so long and things like that, and, and opinions can change. I don't know exactly what new information or anything is going to change for me over the next few years because it's like it's been five or six years since this happened in the first place. But like, I'm just trying to be also intellectually consistent here where I say like, uh, you know, Manny Ramirez took steroids after they were illegal and he was caught. And so he's forfeit his uh, his legacy, right? He still made billions of dollars, not billions, but you know what I mean? Like these, hundreds this is, of millions. Yeah. There's no real penalty here other than like a legacy thing, right? So if there's right. anything we can do to hold them accountable for cheating at the major league level and so blatantly, it, like this is one of the only things that we really have is like this little, this mark on their legacy. And so I'm still uncertain about Beltron because obviously like, you know, I love him as a player and both as the recipient of the uh, Adam Wainwright curveball <laughs> <laughs> and as also the uh, the guy who came in after Pujols left and really helped keep the 2012 and 2013 seasons competitive. And, you know, I, him like shredding his rib cage, stopping that David Ortiz grand slam oh, yeah. in the uh, 2013 World Series is like forever in my mind. And even though that he, like Ortiz still hit like eight other grand slams, I think in that <laughs> world series, yeah. it's still like that felt big. And he was a huge part of that. So I love Beltron as a player, but I'm like, is this the one, this is the only thing that we can really do to say like, you shouldn't have cheated because everything else, they all got away with it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I get that. I think I'm more of the, uh, of the mindset of put a rod in, put, uh, put Joe or not Joe Mauer. He was clean. Um, put Manny Ramirez in, um, and then, and Beltron, and have these conversations. I, mm -hmm. I think that that's the punishment, is that Derek Jeter goes into the Hall of Fame sterling. No one's questioning anything. Yeah, uh, They ding him on his defense a little bit, um, but nobody's doing anything like that. Anytime you are, you talk about uh, Beltron or, or those other two guys, you also talk about that. And I think that's like yeah. the beauty of baseball, is that we don't forget the past. We bring up the history, right. and that's part of enjoying the sport. And I think that you can say Carlos Beltran is a Hall of Fame worthy player, but remember he when up. he did this? Yeah. 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 And I get that. Like, that's um, also like, you know, I think it was Bob Costas had the idea of like, if you imagine that the Hall of Fame is this like book that you're leafing through, like there's different chapters of the game and like every chapter requires its own um, explanation. It's like you need to watch um bit ken burns baseball yeah before really looking at each period of the hall of fame because that will tell you a lot um and like i i recognize you know in the 70s and 80s like everybody was on speed and that changed the game yeah. you know and like these these cheating and drugs and all that have been a part of the game forever i just like you know, if we want to get those things out of the game, there has to be real consequences to some degree. And as it stands, I don't think that the, there have been really many consequences. Like, I think you, I, you know, if you, if you do, if you get caught now, you get suspended for 80 games. Okay. Yeah. You get caught twice. You get suspended for a season. 
okay but like if you were good before that you can make you know like there's so much money now you it it, it justifies it you know so i i just don't think that this would be a good deterrent because like what less than one percent of players sure. make it to the hall of fame so it's like yeah i'm gonna take steroids now and uh if they're talking about the hall of fame like i'll worry about that in i'll worry about that later yeah, yeah, yeah it's like, a good problem to have right right yeah. right I, I i get what you're saying but i don't think it's a realistic deterrent and um i don't know like I put a rod in the same camp as Barry Bonds. Like he's one of the best to ever do it. And steroids absolutely helped, but he was a, he was 20 years old and one of the best players in the mm-hmm. league, shortstop power, speed, everything. Like he was just great right away. Um, now I don't know, like I don't have the history of his steroid usage, you know, on, on top of mind, but, um, maybe he was well, cheating from the very beginning. Yeah. I don't know, but he is definitely admitted uh, and failed test past it being made uh, illegal in the game. So well, he's like, like a like an evangelist at this point. He's like, yeah. don't take steroids for this reason. Totally. It's my body, blah blah yeah. blah. Like, he, yeah, he and is I can respect fully, that. Yeah, you know, I can respect that. Um, I would also like, like to point out, I do not like a Rod the person. <laughs> no, he sucks. <laughs> he sucks. <laughs> yeah, um, but like to me, that feels like an easy line to draw. Like, don't do steroids. If you do and you also happen to be in the Hall of Fame contention like that, it's just going to it's like betting on baseball. You know, it's just like it's just a rule that has a lot of ramifications. And that's one of them. So do you think because we're basically talking about like tarnishing reputation, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think what has happened to Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Roger Clemens, Sammy Sosa, you know, the list is long. Manny Ramirez, do you think their names being drugged through the mud by the media and people like us and, and whatever over the past 15 years is offering as a deterrent for players? Or do you think that? I think, yes, but it's, it's very on such an individual level, right? Yeah. Like there are players who come into the league with their head, um, firmly like attached to the history of the game and the legacy of the game. And that, that matters to them. Um, I think we see that a little bit with like Jordan Walker, you know, he, yeah. he clearly cares about like the game and his place in the game and, yeah. and whatnot. And so I think it would matter to someone like him. Um, but there are other players who, you know, their primary drive is to get the bag. And I have like, hell yeah. Like, you know, especially where a lot of these people are coming from, like that should be your priority, frankly. <laughs> yeah. you know, so zero, I I'm not saying one mindset is better than another or more holy than another um but it wouldn't surprise me if that mindset is more inclined to that you know take drugs and whatnot they don't care about the legacy or history of the game right. to that degree um and and i'm not saying that this is a, a solution to the problem but it just feels like an easy thing to do to say like you know we can't really stop you you can do whatever you want but there's some baked in ramifications yeah. that like that that do matter to some people and also as they get older it may matter more to them which is generally how those things typically go so totally um i'm gonna run down my my list here it's not unlike yours i actually only have one that it, outside of all those guys i have one that you didn't list um so i said adrian beltre obvious todd helton full-on support andrew jones hell yeah i'm giving a little checkbox to mr joe mauer um <sighs> Ooh. I, he's like top 10 catcher in basically everything. And I know he played first base a lot near the end of his, his career, but that's not uncommon for a catcher 
Um, he's got the peak um, face of a franchise. Yeah. Best catcher for a period of time. Like, I don't know what more we want from a catcher than Joe Maurer. And the catcher position is also underrepresented in the Hall of Fame. It is. The reason I push back on Joe Maurer is because I look at that. It's Yadi Molina, Buster Posey, Joe Maurer. And I yeah. think that Yadi Molina and Buster Posey are the two best catchers of that time period. And I think Joe Maurer had some high points, um, but lacked catcher longevity. And mm-hmm. I don't think like his peak was so short. Yeah. Um, now it's not his fault. Of course, I'm not like, you know, trying to throw mud on this guy, but it's, it's just how it all played out with the concussions and everything else. And, uh, yeah, but I, I get it. I, I think he'll probably get in. Like if I were to place mm-hmm. money on this, I would bet that he probably gets in, but not not my guy. Joe Maurer, 53 Fangraphs war, which is on the lower end of the of like the general war total for a Hall of Famer, but for catcher, um, right there. Uh Buster Posey, fifty, like just under fifty-eight. So yeah. um, you know, like an extra peak season for a catcher in there, which of course, um, and I'm no disagree, Yachty Posey. I, I, to me, this is where I'm like, I'm not small hall. It's like yeah. I don't see why all three of them can't be. Um, yeah, so. I, th- I think, that, like I said, I, I could be convinced he just yeah. wouldn't be my guy. Um, I, I did. I'm torn on this one, but Gary Sheffield stands out to me as someone that I think should be discussed a little bit more. Um, and then I have Utley as well. I agree with all your points and I have Billy Wagner as well. I agree with all your points. Gary Sheffield. I like Gary Sheffield. Yeah. Um, he hit a lot of homers, um, over 500. That's a big one. Over 500.1 fan graphs war. I, I think people forget how good of an eye he had. Um, but I don't I, maybe it's his journeyman. Like he he played for every team. Um, I, I mean, I will say, like, just you know, kind of speaking emotionally, like watching him, especially growing up, I don't know if there's ever been a more intimidating presence yeah. at the batter's box. Like just a I mean, jacked out of his mind, super built. Um, and the way that he wagged uh the bat and then the the monstrous, monstrous power. Um, uh, but he was a really bad defender, he's a really mm-hmm. bad base runner. Um, I mean, he wasn't just a DH, but maybe he should have been, uh, I, again, a player, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I think the 500 home runs is cool, but not a guy that's a guy that's not getting my vote. Yeah. I, I was, uh, I've gone back and forth on Gary Sheffield. Um, I think he's got the numbers, but there is something about the hall of him. You do want that Zaz, you know, yeah. and he doesn't have much of the zazz that I think we're we're typically <laughs> looking for. And there's just like players from that same generation that did exactly what he did, but better. Um, mm. And a lot of those guys aren't in the Hall of Fame either <laughs> yeah, um, because of steroids and stuff. And, you know, you can say the same thing about Gary, but I I get it. I'm for it. He wouldn't be on my ballot, though. That's that's need it. more Gary's in the Hall of Fame, I think. That, too. OK, sold. sold. let's vote for him. <laughs> Uh, I also just want to throw some quick love to David Wright. I bet he gets in through some sort of, uh, like veterans committee, something or another, like, you know, would have maybe been the best third baseman of all time, but his like spine stopped working, which is, yeah, 
And we'll talk about the uh, Contemporary Baseball Era Committee next week. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're, you're, I think there's one thing to be small hall or a uh, big hall. I think there's another thing to like, not to pick on Harold Baines, but to get guys like yeah. uh, Harold Baines yeah. and David Wright. And they're not the same player by any means. David Wright was very, very good for a short amount of time. But I don't like that. Um, yeah. You got to be healthy and productive. And I, it sucks that David Wright wasn't. Um, but, you know, that's kind of part of the game. David Wright, uh, 51.2 war and only 6,872 plate appearances. Yeah. Whereas Gary Sheffield was, uh, he had like 11,000 plate appearances <laughs> and only 10 more war than David Wright. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, David Wright healthy again, he's probably in the conversation for, Oh, and I mean, my, my, like just thinking about him now, my, like all these replays of him making these amazing plays at third base and clutch hits. And yeah, I mean, he, he was the man. Yeah. Yeah. He, I agree with you. Like part of the hall of fame is making it the full career, you know? Um, and so, but I, there's another way to honor him. Then I'd love Wainwright to be a hall of famer. I'd love Chris Carpenter, uh, to be a hall of famer. Uh, but you gotta be healthy. All right. Well, again, I'd love to hear your take. If you're out there listening, you can call us at our number 848-48-BIRDS or any of our social media <laughs> platforms as well. Uh, um, I guess we got to tweet that out after the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's 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 run through some, some league news that's come up over the last yeah. week. All right. Not too much. Uh, the Cardinals kind of filled up the headlines over the past couple uh-huh. of weeks, but uh, there are some other moves that happened uh, today. Right before we got on Mike, uh, the Reds have made their first significant signing of the offseason. Emilio Pagan uh, has agreed to a two year deal. I think, Nate, if you want to look up the numbers, I think the numbers were just announced as we've been talking, um, but it was for more than I expected. I find I like Emilio Pagan, um, but I find this deal a little bit funny. Um, his Homer fly ball rate, uh, has been like in the high teens, his entire career. And then he had a 5.3%, uh, Homer fly ball rate and his strikeouts went way down. And I'm kind of surprised the reds, was it like 16 over 18, two years, two years, 16 million. I'm a little surprised the reds decided to spend their money that way. I uh, would not be surprised if this guy gives up a buttload of home yeah. runs in that ballpark next year, but the Reds are getting yeah. better. Yeah, I mean, it, it does improve their bullpen. He is one of those guys that is supposed to be like the best reliever in baseball for years in a row now, and it just something always gets in the way. Um, yeah, but probably a good flyer eight eight million a year. Um, you know, they Electric have Alexis, arm. Yeah, they have Alexis Diaz at the at the back end of the bullpen. They've yeah. already got you know, you can see where this will, would work well for them, but I also I, I see what you're saying. And and also, obviously, as a Cardinal fan, hopeful that he just yeah. uh, gets shelled. Yeah, let's tee off on him. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, Tigers have signed Kenta Maeda for two years, $24 million. How do you feel about that in juxtaposition to the Gibson and Lynn signings? Because it's essentially the same money. Yeah. I mean, it, it it is on a year over year. It is double as far as what's guaranteed. Um, not that that's a big deal, but there is a difference there. Um, it, like, I think I would have. If I could swap out one of Lynn or Gibson with this, I think I'd be happy because yeah. that it does offer that upside play that you and I were talking about 
earlier. Um, but clearly the Cardinals were looking for floor with yeah. Gibson and, and Lynn. And uh, I think made as floor is likely lower. Although yeah. Lynn, you know, it's hard to argue Lynn, <laughs> Lynn, we, you know, I'd like to think that last year that was not his true floor, you yeah. know, and most of the projection systems also seem to be willing to kind of discount what happened last year for what so, to yeah. expect from him this year. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think like I would have been happy if it was like Gibson and made at this deal or Lynn and made at this deal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing with made is how healthy is he going to be? Yeah. Um, that's been a huge question basically since he came in the league. So yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you said there. Uh, the Dodgers have decided to run it back and bring Jay Hay, Jason Hayward back on the team. One year, $9 million deal. Um, you know, he's a platoon player now. He uh, had a really good season against righties. Um, and he's still one of the best outfield defenders in yeah. baseball. Um, so I, I think this is a, probably a smart. This is a very Dodgers signing. They are, are so good at using all 26 guys on the roster. And this is just that. Um, yeah, he put up 2.2 F4 in uh, 377 plate appearances. So, so about a half like a, a year's. Um, that's, that's like a, a four or five win player on your bench, essentially. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, again, utilized very specifically utilized you know. where it only results in 2.2, but he has right. the, yeah, exactly. When he's playing it's a smart, yeah. it's a smart team making a smart play. Stupid yep. Dodgers. I know. Uh, Cardinals don't have a use for Jason Hayward, but yeah, no. it's Anyways. also incredible that, uh, Jason Hayward has now amassed like, Three hundred million dollars or whatever <laughs> off of like uh, you know like two really good seasons yeah. and just being like fit as hell and having a, an award winning smile. <laughs> yes, um, and a speech giver. Um, yeah, I, I looked it up though. His still his most productive season was that single season with, with, the, with the Cardinals. Yeah, I'll always get a little. You know, even though he kind of roasted us as soon as he left, I always get a little joy about that. No, we got the I, most I mean, hey. hey. That was a that was a fun season. Hundred win year, hundred wins for the Cardinals, ninety nine for the Pirates, ninety eight for the yeah. Cubs, and he was the best player on that team. I, like, yeah, it's easy to both hate and love Jason Hayward. I mean, watching him play defense is fun. Yeah, um, it's less fun when he's in a Dodgers uniform and he's catching fly balls against you, but mm-hmm. he is he is very fun to watch. Um, Shoto, I cannot say this guy's name right. Shoto Imanaga. Imanaga has officially back been posted backloaded back has officially been posted uh, by NPB um, uh, that happened Monday of this week. And, uh, you know, we talked about a lot of names earlier. This is not one um, that I think I would get especially excited about, but I think this is another name the Cardinals should consider. Yeah. Um, I think he'll come at a low price. He's 30 years old. Uh, he's a lefty. Um, low nineties, lots of control, decent breaking ball. Wouldn't be totally mad or disappointed, uh, maybe disappointed, but not mad if the Cardinals were to bring him in, but I'll, I'll be very curious to see how his market yeah. shapes out. Uh, I mean, the twins got to sign somebody, the Red Sox got to sign somebody, the Dodgers got to yeah. sign somebody. It's gonna be a lot of competition for this guy. I think earlier in the off season or, or as we approach the off season, we've been in off season mode for four or five months at this point. I can't <laughs> quite remember when I talked about this, but, uh, I. Uh, he was an early target of mine um, yep. for a lot of the reasons that you said. I, I feel a little less about it now, um, but I, I would be fine with the Cardinals uh, getting Imanaga. Yeah. At a 
then maybe uh, you know Yoshi comes along with him. He wants to play hey, Japanese players. He did say uh, that. <laughs> Liam Hendricks and Cody Bellinger win comeback player of the year. Um, I think Liam Hendricks, like just the fact that he even played baseball this year was yeah. incredible. And it, how about? I, I, sorry, sorry. Well, the the Liam Hendricks thing is really interesting to me. You know, like not the typical storyline for a comeback player of the year. He, he played no. in five games in 2023. Um, but I think it, it, it's obviously speaking to the broader, like most of the time comeback player of the year. It's like, Oh man, you were bad for a couple of years. Cause you broke your leg or whatever. Right. And like, what a, like a Cody or Cody Bellinger is the prototypical winner of the comeback player of the year type guy. But Liam Hendricks, you know, diagnosed with stage four cancer, uh, five months before the season and pitches in that season is bites just, it off and comes back. It's so truly badass. incredible. It's it truly is. incredible. Yeah. And so I was, I was surprised to see it, but I, I mean like, hell yeah, he's, he's, and I just love Liam Hendricks. He's such a, he's a good dude. So yeah. Um, easy to root for so, certified uh, lunatic, but yeah. great pitcher. Yeah. 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 And Bellinger, I mean, like, it's it's pretty interesting, you know. He went from like one of the best players in baseball. MVP looked like he might be the like the guy for yeah. forever, and then just completely collapses and uh, remakes himself with the Cubs. Looks like a return to form. There is some concern about his underlying metrics, his hard hit rate, and whatnot. Like, what exact? Like, was it a really lucky yeah. year? Is what what are you buying if you buy Cody Bellinger for twenty twenty four and beyond? Uh, but. Yeah, no doubt about it. He had a great season. And, and I actually I push back on that. I, I've seen that reported a couple of times. But if you watch Bellinger play this year, he, when he was getting two strikes, he was actively trying to cut down his strikes. When he was getting two strikes, he did not go. He was not doing his A swing like so many players mm-hmm. are doing. He was doing a B swing or a C swing. And by that, I mean, just throwing the bat at the ball and blooping yeah. a little single over the shortstop's head. Um, so I'd be curious. You know, there's uh, I, I think. I'm very curious to see where Bellinger lands up. I think outside of the two Japanese players, he is the uh, most exciting free agent of this offseason. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I I think the Giants, I think the Giants are going to get Bellinger or Otani. I yeah, think they're, they're kind of sleeping, but I think they're about yeah. to spend some serious cash. Yeah, I think the Giants are maybe my pick for Yamamoto. Um, they yeah. love getting that good pitching staff too. Um, but yeah, with Bellinger, your point about hard hit rate is interesting because everybody looks at hard hit rate. It's a really, really good underlying metric, but that assumes you're also trying to hit the ball as hard as you possibly can every time you hit the ball, which is how a lot of players play. And so right. the higher the hard hit rate, the better generally your Aaron judges, your Stantons, you know, et cetera. But if you're a guy who's like what you're calling out Bellinger, where you're not actually trying to hit the ball as hard as you can every single time you hit the ball, then your hard hit rate is going to be like almost purposefully deflated. So, right. um, yeah. Do you think that teams have those types of internal metrics where they like they're, you're watching the video and you're assigning. Yeah. Yeah. Or you're watching video. You're signing. This is an a swing. His average exit velo on an a swing is, 104 his average exit velo on a b swing or, or however they i wonder if they have those yeah. kind of metrics or if that's something that they look into i assume somebody does i would imagine that'd be pretty easy to filter off of just hard hit rate on each count you know because yep. that would usually give you the um you you the, could that, that number that, intimate, that, yeah. that would at least be a starting point that you're looking right. for what's their hard hit rate on two strikes you know so on 
Um, the uh, other thing that hit fascinating... what three hundred nine last year, so like yeah, he's I clearly going for average. Yeah, he hit uh, three hundred seven with a three fifty six OBP and a, still a 525 slugging. It's not yeah. like he was a, a slouch by any means. He and twenty stolen bases. This the speed in the defense. That's the other side. Is yeah. that he is one of the best center fielders in the league. Can obviously, obviously play left and right, and he's a very good first baseman. He's kind of a a weird player in that sense that he can yeah. be your center field first base DH, whatever you want him to do. I was so mad when the Cubs signed him because like I it worked you, out. Really I don't know well. if you remember last year. I was saying all off season like the Cardinals need to sign Cody Bellinger because whoever does, they're going to be happy that that yeah. they do, and then. Yeah, you know, the Cubs got him, but I, they at I least be didn't get anything for him. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they bring him back. Yeah. Yeah, but, I think uh, he's probably the best bat on the, I mean, outside of Otani, of course. Yeah. But yeah. 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 If you, again, if you subtract the Japanese guys, Bellinger's <laughs> yeah. the the number one uh, free agent. Um, but that's a lot of subtracting. All right. Uh, already mentioned the winter meetings are starting on Sunday. So next episode, I'm sure is going to be hot and, uh, too fast and too furious. We'll, we'll see wow. what happens there. Um, Mi familia. <laughs> Coronas. Um, <laughs> uh, final bit of news. A new baseball team for Oakland is launching. The Oakland Ballers uh, will play in the Pioneer League, uh, giving East Bay fans a team to root for after the A's leave. Um, it's almost like people in Oakland want baseball. Yep. I love it, too, because uh, it's the Oakland Bees. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's all I got for league news. I hope that they sell out every game and the athletics, nobody buys tickets to. I hope that there are zero people in attendance uh, and the and the ballers sell out every single game. I agree. I, I think we expressed this last week or the week previous. The future of the Oakland days is extremely worrisome for me. And I say that because of just like general health of the game i could give a shit about uh, uh fisher and, and his uh mm-hmm. prospects and that but uh having a dead franchise which is where the a's feel like they're headed is not good no i don't like this no not great what are they, like they have some interesting young guys so maybe you know there's still guys like it's that challenging thing where like Everybody on the field is still going to be trying to win. All the coaches, all the managers, they're playing for their career. They're just not supported from the front office. Right. Um, and there were some interesting players who popped up last year that like could help make them reasonable. But like who's watching and who cares right now? And that has to have a deflating impact on on like a team's vibe and and just willingness to to try to win. So and like know. how long is Shay Langoliers going to be an A? Yeah. How long is Ryan Noda? Zach Geloff, Zach Geloff, Soderstrom. How how yeah. long are these guys going to be A's? Um, yeah, because the moment they get good, they're probably going to try to trade them, right? It's so. it's a, I th- well, and, as long as they're not expensive. If they're good <laughs> and cheap, they'll let them sure. stay. But as mi- the minute they hit like arbitration and their their pay hits seven figures, it's like all right, get them out. I, I'd love to, if any of our listeners have historical context for this. I'd love to be corrected, but like. In the modern game, in the uh, uh, post-dead ball era, has there ever been a franchise that is this dead of a fish flopping on the mm-hmm. on the shore? Like, well, there's even talk like in 2025, they're not going to have a stadium, so they're just going to bounce around from like other minor league stadiums and things. So it's yeah, it's rough. Joke. It's Absolutely rough. stupid. Yeah. 
Well, right. speaking of stadiums, let's move on. Cambo <laughs> uh, and I got a game for you. Um, you know, after uh, you and I have been talking a little bit about stadiums be- between this conversation, you know, I know you're traveling to Seattle. We were talking about the stadium out there. And um, as we get further and further into the offseason, the more and more I start to miss baseball. And I just think about how nice it is to be at a stadium and enjoy a live game. And so I started thinking, like, what is the best stadium in baseball? And fortunately, okay. you can imagine there's plenty of lists out there. And we're going to see if you can guess what is the perceived best stadium in baseball or the top five stadiums in baseball. And another edition of Who Charted. Who Charted. This Great. is Who Charted Stadium Edition. So I have Can't this article. With this jackass. Yeah, yeah. Part of the fun of these games is that it's just your opinion against this other person's opinion. So, okay. Right. So this is from USA Today. Okay. And it's all 30 MLB stadiums ranked 2023 edition. This was written by Andrew Joseph. Okay. And this is their criteria. They say using the same, yes, subjective criteria of general atmosphere, design, location, amenities, Food and character. We've arrived mm. at an updated rankings of MLB ballparks to get ready okay. for the 2023 ball, baseball stadium season. Sorry. So okay. this is going into 2023. They've ranked all 30. I want to see how many of the top five you can get. But of course, I've got them all here. So we'll, yeah. we'll see where they land. Okay. So I'm going to go. I, I feel really good about the top three. Um, assuming this guy has a, you know, brain. Um, I'm going to say Fenway is number one. I'm going to say Wrigley. You just want to go all five. Well, I'm just going to do my first three and then then we'll see. I'm going to, I'm going to shoot my shot because I feel confident in this Wrigley, uh, number two and Dodger stadium Chavez ravine number three. Okay. So you are getting two correct and one wrong. Wow. Um, coming in at number three on this list, Wrigley Field. Okay. And number five on this list. Oh, Dodgers, my. Dodger Stadium. Fenway's not in the top five. Fenway is number seven. This guy is an idiot. <laughs> Absolute idiot. Um, wow. And the Dodgers mm-hmm. number five. Yep. Okay. Um, well, let's see. Another stadium. That is well regarded. Unfortunately, I have not been to the stadium. Let's go with the O's out in Baltimore. Uh, uh, I'm forgetting the name of the park all of a sudden. Uh, Camden. My cat just turned a toy on upstairs, and I thought a ghost was living or uh, uh, creeping on us. Um, mm-hmm. Normal thought. It, the the cat toy has this little tiny button, and it, tur- and it makes a thing shake around. I guess... Our yeah. cat learned how to turn it on. Man, my uh, uh, my my brain is like so fucked up from also being into like true crime stuff as well. Um, I was in my living room the other day and I started hearing like a flute playing, and this was uh, <laughs> like like eleven thirty at night or something like yeah. that. I'm like playing Spider Man or whatever, and I started hearing a flute playing, and my first thought was like, oh fuck, <laughs> it's someone who's like here to kill me and their their calling card is like they play a flute as they enter yeah. into uh your house to kill you no and, way to go uh no it was that like we had music playing in the kitchen and i guess it just lined up where 
like the the sound of the game was low enough and the sound of this flute was so high that it like <laughs> it's the first time i, I hadn't yeah. heard the music at all but it was like oh um, god i'm gonna be murdered by the flute killer <laughs> <laughs> he'd kick your ass too yeah i would get my ass kicked by the flute killer for sure uh, kill me with a flute Camden Yards is what you were looking for. Yeah. Re- really quick while we're talking about video games and we're already going along on this episode, but uh, yes. I thought you would appreciate this. A good friend of mine, um, uh, a, a guy who works in the video game industry, uh, mm-hmm. just mailed me a director's cut copy of Ghost of Tsushima, which I'm very Ooh, excited about. Ooh, man, um, that's on my list. I haven't played it, um, but that is that is like... Uh, I think number one on my list of like long games that have been yeah. out for a while that I, that I need to play that yeah, and the 2018 I, God of war are two games that I, I really want to play. I'm about to beat BG three. Um, and as wow. soon as that's beat, I'm going to, I'm going to load up ghost of Tsushima. So I'm very excited about that. So nice. yeah, anyways, uh, Camden yards is my, my vote. Uh, Camden really? yards is number 11. Wow. That is disconcerting. Yeah. Okay. Um, I know people. By the rules like, of the game, you've got one more guess before we. Yeah. People like Seattle. People like San Francisco. Coors Field, great ballpark. Um, I've said that many times. St. Louis, great ballpark. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out what this dumb dumb idiot is. What their rubric is. Atlanta's new, um, which is I think inherently less sexy, um, just by the very nature. I will go oh, Pittsburgh also. I got one vote. So I'm one vote. I, I'm stuck between Seattle, Pittsburgh, and Giants. Um I will I will say the Giants. Give me AT&T. All right. You got number two. Oracle All right. Park. Okay. Um, oh yeah. Oracle, I forget yeah. Oracle Park now. Yeah. I always think of it as AT&T as well. But uh, Okay. Yes, Oracle Park is number two. Okay, so then I will go in between Pittsburgh and Seattle, which I had whittled down to. I will say Pittsburgh. Give me Pittsburgh. Yeah, you got it. Pittsburgh, number four, PNC Park, Pittsburgh Pirates. So So you've gotten five, four, three, and two. You're only missing the the number one. How am I? So there's no way Seattle's number one. That would be shocking to me um nate takes a drink of water he's giving Mm -hmm. me nothing over here uh philadelphia it can't be philadelphia it cannot be toronto if it's the yankees i will never do this show again uh cleveland please be yankees please be yankees (laughs) nl central kind of has some stinkers as far as parks are concerned i in my opinion, um, although I like the Royal Stadium, they should keep it. Um, I mean, I guess I got to go with my logic. I'll, I'll go with Seattle. I, I really don't. That's can't be number one, though. I'll, yeah. I'll, fine. Whatever. I'll say it. Uh, yeah, they have um, Seattle Mariners T-Mobile Park at number nine. OK. All right. So you got the five, four, three, two. And finally, number one. Petco Park, San Diego Padres. What? Because of the the Western Supply building or whatever? I don't know. I'll read the the blurb. Uh, We really shouldn't be surprised at this point because Petco Park 
truly is the perfect ballpark. It's embedded right in the heart of downtown San Diego with the skyline basically on top of you. There's a community park that leads right into the outfield concourse, making it a cool place to check out even on non-game so th- days. This guy doesn't like baseball. That's what Petco I'm hearing. Park has the best food and beer selection in baseball to go along with the top-notch location. And now that the Padres are among the most exciting teams in MLB, the game day atmosphere measures up with the stadium itself. Okay. So, uh, Petco, the fact that Fenway is not in the top five is just yeah. completely makes this list a hunk of shit, but all right. Yeah. Uh, Bush is number 13, by the way. Yeah. Um, you can at least feel some satisfaction that he has Yankee stadium as number 25. That's good. Uh, right before angels, 26, Chase Field, 27, that's Diamondbacks. Yeah. 28 is uh, the White Sox Stadium. Yeah, that's a bad one. Uh, 29, Tropicana for the Rays. And then uh, you, you Oakland. probably no surprises here. Number yeah. 30, Ring Central Coliseum. Yeah. Oakland A's. Where is the, uh, where's Coors Field in that? I'm curious. Coors Field is actually number six. Yeah. Right out of the, right out of the top five. It, I I know I've said it before and, and that nobody can action on this right now, but come out to Denver and see a game. Yeah. It really is a great ballpark. It um, is. I enjoy it so much. I've gone almost every year now for, for many years straight and yeah. it's always a blast. It's a great Meet me at the fast pitch game, bro. <laughs> I'm going to get, a, I'm going to, I'm this year or next year. Yeah. I guess it's like September of next year. Yeah. You got a spring training's coming up here soon. I That's think right. 80, 80 days, 80 something yeah. days. Yep. All right. Well, yep, this one went long, but hey, we had had good news to talk about. So thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, uh, patreon.com slash talking about birds. 848-48-BIRDS. That's our four, <laughs> That's our phone number. What are the digits? If if uh, I don't know those. Do you know the digits off the top of your head? Do you have that available? Yeah. Hold on just a second. It is 848-482-4737. All right. <laughs> So yeah, if you're uh, call us up, I cannot wait yeah. for this to go live. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll be back next week, as always. Hey, next week uh, we should be having C70 join us. It's been a little while, so that'll be that'll be fun to have him back. And um, until next week, let's go Yamamoto, Yoshi. Well, in that case, yeah, I'm probably pretty weak, Jen. <laughs> I suspect I'm easy to knock out. I don't, you got a big head, though. It I might, do have a big might head. help you. But like, a bigger target fist, also. My fist is much smaller than your head. So you think like, mm. you know, just like from the mass to mass standpoint, um, it's probably some type of an advantage. Yeah. There's That's only one point. way to find out, though. Our generation's cowboy actor, Timothy yeah. Oliphant, you know. And he was great. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so dreamy. Uh, and he fits into my uh, into my game where you can. So you have to take your first name. Or sorry. You have, 
fucked it up immediately. You have to take your last name and you take an animal and you can only switch the first letter of the animal's name and that's your new last name. So like Mark Ruffalo is Buffalo, but sure. he switched the B to an R. So he's Mark Ruffalo. Okay. Timothy Oliphant. It's not spelled exactly the same, but it's basically elephant with an E in front of it or with an O instead of an E. What What is the D&D character, the little golden elephants that can fly and talk? <laughs> I don't know. D&D golden elephant that flies. Um, oh, Holly fans. Holly. That's it always. Yeah, I, I didn't have yeah. it on the tip of my tongue, but it makes yeah. me think of Holly fonts. Those are adorable. So mine that I've come up with, and I'll give you a moment to think of your own, is my new name is Nate Laraffe. So it's giraffe, but it okay. Huh. <laughs> um. It's tricky because your last name already has an animal name in it, too. Oh, it, yeah. Samorca, the orca. Yeah. Um. How about Ben Cirilla? Oh, is that a gorilla? That's good. Ben Cirilla. <laughs> ben Cirilla. Yeah. Um, Simpanzee. I don't know why I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking of primates. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it makes sense. Easy leap. Ben Sirtle. Ben Sirtle. You like the S. Um, ben Didn't Bertle. you say that's what you have to do? Well, oh. it doesn't have... It, oh, I, I was thinking S. Samorca. I... I no, no, oh, no. Like you can do whatever. I see. I see. The, all, the only rule is that you're taking a last name. Okay. That you're taking an L, an animal name and you're changing the first letter to whatever okay. you want. All right. I'll, I'll think about this. Yeah. Okay. I'll get back to you. Okay. We should do the show.